you have no obligation to surround you or your child with toxic people or anyone who's undermining you. You know, in taking actions that we describe, you can create that environment that sets you and your child up for success. How is it possible for a parent of a child with autism to become the superhero their child needs now? I'm Len. And I'm Cass. When our son was diagnosed with moderate to severe autism, we went all in. We spent over a decade learning everything we could on how we could transform to help our son thrive. And guess what? He's doing it. This year, he ran for class president. Each week on this podcast, we will be sharing the secrets needed for you to become the superhero your child needs. If you want to learn how to tap into your innate superpowers to help your child thrive, visit AutismParentingSecrets.com. Hey, it's Len and Cass, and welcome to the show. Sizing people up and knowing where people stand is something that is so powerful, but we really don't often have a way of doing that. Today, we're going to share a tool that we find super helpful to be able to simply know where people in your environment, where do they stand? And we're excited because once you know that, you can take real practical actions to create an environment of success. And this episode's devoted to a truth that's kind of hard to hear. And while it's true that the universe may very well have your back, is supportive, the people that you come into contact with often aren't cheering you on. The secret is that most people want you to fail, and that won't stop you. I know this definitely sounds potentially yep. discouraging. Most, most people want me to fail? Yeah, WTF uh, would be appropriate to think here. And it does, it may sound discouraging, but it doesn't have to be discouraging. The fact that most people want you to fail can actually be something that empowers you. And the term want you know, we really carefully choose that because it's not as if people in your life are indifferent. They do have a view and they also have a belief system. And in some cases, if you succeed, then their worldview doesn't make any sense anymore. And there's so many examples that, you know, we can give and we will give some, you know, but a grandparent is a good example. Well, I was just even thinking when you were just talking, a diagnosis is a great example, you know? So we were given the diagnosis of our son's moderate to severe autism and his life would be, you know, basically the best we could expect was life skills. And it's like, okay, that was their belief, not ours. So yeah, thank you very yeah. much. And we're going to move on. That's a good point. The diagnosis, you know, isn't delivered in a way that's uplifting in any way, shape or form. And they don't offer much hope, but it can even apply, let's say, to a grandparent, right, who's trying to give you the parenting advice. And perhaps your parents thought that discipline for your child might be something that's appropriate. But the bottom line is that from their perspective, disciplining your child in some way, whatever that is, in their mind may make a lot of sense. It may be how they were raised and how you know their parents raised them or what they experienced. And you know, they're offering up that suggestion and they're doing it because their worldview is that children need to be disciplined from time to time. And if 
that's something that you don't agree with, then it's kind of a judgment on them that, oh, well, this one must have been maybe I was wrong or I was raised wrong. So it's the worldview that we really want you to try to look at things through. Look at, look at it through the lens of these people. And we all have beliefs and we all have worldviews and we're very protective of them. So something like that is an example where the grandparent in this case isn't wanting you to get what you want. They're just more protecting this thing they think is right and they're sharing it and they don't want you to present evidence that it's wrong. Right. They're basically, you can either take the advice or don't, but they don't want to hear if you don't. Yeah. And you see this all the time on social media. So let's say you're on an autism support Facebook group and there's a mom, and Cass sees this all the time, maybe some mom's putting out questions on implementing a certain special diet. What do you often see? Oh my God, there is so much hate. And all of these people are like, <laughs> don't waste your money. Or like the eye rolls are like, oh my God, that's such a waste. I can't believe you would even consider it. Like there is so much hate thrown at people when they're just making suggestions versus, hey, that person's worldview, probably either they were given the same advice or their doctor gave them that advice, or maybe they implemented for a little bit and didn't see any benefit of it. And they're just going to throw that back at the next person who has that idea because it's like, no, you dumb fuck. Like that is not what you're going to do because that is fucking waste. Right. And from their standpoint, the person who's making this sniping, hey, all diet special diets are a waste of time and money, whether they believe they're doing someone a favor, that they're being supportive, doesn't matter. The key thing is what's going on from their perspective. For some reason, Special diets either didn't work or they didn't try or they didn't try long enough, something. So the worldview here for this person is that diets don't work because if special diets do work, then she or he must have messed up. Right, because they're not feeding their child a special diet. Right, so right. they're protecting. No, diets can't work. I'm going to save this person time right. because they can't work. Because if they do work, either I messed up or I missed the boat. Or the belief that like autism's genetic, which, you know, as Dr. Herbert said, there was like maybe 2% of autism cases are genetic, while 98% are not. So it's like if they're under the belief that it's genetic, then of course, any of these other changes aren't going to work versus, right. hey, 98%, I'm going after this stuff. Yeah. So all in all, we can go on and on about examples. But the key thing to understand here is that whether you like the idea or not, People are protecting their worldview, and then by definition, they want you to fail so that their worldview can continue. It's about they win, you lose. That's the effect of what's happening. Regardless of whether they're conscious of it, this is the way it's ultimately affecting you and the way for you to kind of see what's coming at you. We formed this understanding over more than 12 years from our own experience, from working with doctors and practitioners and mentors to help us see the importance of curating our environment, both from toxins as well as toxic people. So we created this, this tool, which helped us, and you know we're excited to share it with you. We call it the People Plotter, P2. And we hope that you're blessed with many people around you who appear supportive, and we hope they genuinely are. But the reality is a lot of people who may appear supportive may not be. And there's a way to discern who is and who isn't. So this is basically a matrix. So imagine a piece of paper with four 
two lines, one line going across the middle from left to right, one line going across the center from top to bottom, and it's like a matrix. And this is all the original kind of concept came and was called the Eisenhower matrix. It was a way that President Eisenhower, when he was the uh, commander of the Allied forces, he used this kind of matrix to help with decision making for the war. We're going to adopt this construct to help us decide how do you discern where people stand and how truly supportive are they and who do you want around you and who do you really not want around you. Right. Who's truly got your back? Yeah. And so with this, there's only two questions to ask about any person who's uh, in your life or your child's life. Question number one, how much do they genuinely and sincerely support you? And it's either they do or they don't, like so high or low, nothing in between. And the second question is, how consistent are they in how they're showing up, whether they're supportive or not? So it's just those simple two questions. But with those two questions is a lot of power because then in this matrix, you have these four categories or four quadrants and they translate into four types of people. So if you visualize, and we'll include a link in the show notes to a simple template that you can download and, and print that makes this very easy with explanations, etc. But if you just take a piece of paper now, you could just create one yourself. So with these four quadrants, the upper left-hand side of the page, that's type one, and these are the toxic people. These are energy takers. They overtly operate with an I win, you lose mentality. Below them is the second type, type two, the underminers. These are people who are net-net, these are energy drains. And they generally are operating with this subconsciously thinking, I win, you lose. Toxic, number one, underminers, type two. These are both on the left-hand side of the page. And if you think about episode 40 that we did with Dr. Christian Northrup, we talk about energy vampires, and these two um, quadrants really fall into that camp. So that would be a great, if you haven't listened to that podcast, that will also be really helpful as you navigate this. Yeah, absolutely. That goes much deeper. And absolutely, this side, type one, type two, energy vampires is yet another good way of describing these people. Uh, as we move to the right-hand side of the page, then on the lower right is type three, and these are angels in training. These are the net energy givers for you, and these are people who are acting with an I win, you win mentality, but they're doing it inconsistently. They're supportive. They fall off from time to time. They're not perfect. So these are overall angels in training. And then the final category, which is above type three, so on the upper right-hand side of the page, are the uplifters. These are the energy boosters, and these are people who are acting, I win, you win, 24-7. So those are the four overall types, and we're going to go into each category uh, for you to just to better understand who they are, what their characteristics or traits are, and then more importantly, what's your strategy. So with type number one, so this is the toxic, and this represents about 20% of people. So if there's 10 people, at least two are toxic, right? And these are the energy takers and stealers. And they, as Len mentioned, they operate with the I win, you lose. Do they have the ability to change? 
absolutely not. Um, and really, this is the ones that you really want to set that boundary and truly minimize or eliminate them from your life. Yeah, the strategy is to cut them out as much as possible. Think red. So with each of these types, think of a color. In this case, red. Stop, avoid, cut them out. Um, and in terms of the step-by-step process of doing that, the first step is really to accept them. And I know it sounds counterintuitive, but accept them for who they truly are. They may be egomaniacs, they may be self-centered, they may be narcissists, but you don't need to judge them as bad people, horrible people, or anything of that nature. This is just how they're operating. And so to objectively identify and accept them for who they are, it's not that you want that you like what they're doing or you, you know, that you're condoning it in any way. You're not. You're just accepting the fact that they are operating this way. Right. And by you minimizing or eliminating your energy being drained by them, just think you're going to have now the ability to redirect that energy to people that actually matter more for you and that matter more for your child. And that's truly why this is important. One toxic example, because there's been many, is I remember when we were first getting started with early intervention and I was interviewing who would be overseeing our son's case and the person who we were assigned because we weren't given a choice came in like a Mack truck you're going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to do this, I'm going to hire and fire the people, you don't have a say in this. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, this is my house, this is my 18-month-old child, I do have a say in this, and we got a new person. Because that energy that she was exerting, that she knew everything that was best, like, "Uh uh-uh, I knew my child, I know what's going to happen here. Yeah, she was making it all about herself, right? And we wanted somebody who was going to coordinate services, therapists, et cetera. And truly just connect with my son. Yeah, we wanted someone who was wanting the best for him and having it be about him and having the desire to include Cass and I in this very important process, and she wanted none of it. So it was easy to see from our standpoint, she was not a fit. She was toxic. Doesn't mean she was a bad person. But the bottom line is, Don't waste your time and energy on these people. Don't try to make it work. Don't say, oh, well, she must be really good. She's got a lot of confidence. No, she's not a fit. End it. Move on. We moved on to the next person. Dynamite. So don't waste your time. Keep yourself protected. Keep yourself away from these people, but don't be unkind. Don't try to hurt them. Don't try to like undermine them. Don't, you know, there's no need to try to punish them or, you know, again, you don't have to judge them as bad, horrible people. They may not be, but they just may not be a fit for what you're looking to do. And what we believe is really important is for you to curate the environment as much as you can to give your child an environment where they can feel safe and protected and to progress, for you to have an environment of people who support you instead of having to go to battle every day. So that's where if you're waging war against these kind of people every day, that's going to drain you of your energy. And one thing to keep in mind is that these are people who either choose not to support you or maybe based on where they are right now, they just can't, right? Because we're all dealing with our own shit. They may not be in a position where they can really support you. Maybe they're in self-preservation mode. Bottom line is, if that's the case, if they're not supporting you, you don't have to include them. And we would say, do not include them. 
Right. And then we go to type two, right? And this is what orange. So kind of caution is really from the color coding perspective. And this is the underminer, which represents about 40%. It might be closer to 50%. But if you have 10 people again, four people, and these are absolute energy drains and the subconsciously thinking, I win, you lose. And they might shift. They might be more toxic on a time. They might be angels in training a little bit, but that would be rare. And really with the underminers, you want to minimize your exposure to them because they're someone you can't really rely on and they're just going to drain you Uh, more than lift you up. They might be able to pretend that they're really caring and listening, but they really might counteract it. So a great example of this might be, you know, a family member. And it might be a family member who you have chosen to feed your child a special diet. This family member knows that you feed your child a special diet, but against You sending the food with your child, they feed your child something they're not supposed to have, right? And it's like, oh, but it was just a donut. It's like, uh uh-uh. So they're going against what you've had specifically outlined. Um, They're going against what you have set as a boundary. Yeah. So they know what you want and what they'd rather have their way of doing things or their worldview is more important than what you want. This is a blatant example of that. So this is a really tricky category because there are going to be a lot of people in here that are close, that you love, and that are really maybe, you know, really special relationships for you. But the bottom line is they may be acting in a way that's truly not supporting you and not aligned to what you're trying to get. So this is the this is the key is understanding who's in here because we would all love all the people in our world to not be in this category or the toxic category, but the reality is they are. Well, and also what this category really requires you to do is set boundaries. And boundaries are can be challenging for people, especially when it's family members that you need to set boundaries with. But by you being your authentic self and knowing why you're doing this and the truth that you're going after, it's so important to have those conversations so you can kind of put that line in the sand of like, okay, here's what happened. Here's I'm going to respond. I want you to be part of this, but I need you to do X and see how they, you know, how they show up for it. Because if they do waver, maybe they waver into the angels in training. But if they do it again, odds are they're showing their true colors and it's not really worth you putting the energy there. Yeah, they're in this category and they're probably going to stay in this category. Can they shift? Yes. But bottom line is know who's in here, Refuse to be weighed down by them because they will weigh you down significantly without you even realizing it. Oh, my God. And then you leave and you're like, why do I feel like I need a nap for four days? Or you'll feel better. So just reduce the interactions as much as you can. Have the hard conversations as you need to. And just, you know, minimize your efforts here. You're not going to change them easily. This is in their heart. Their heart, is it really supportive of you or not? And it may be that it isn't. And so how do you change someone's heart, right? So they're probably staying in this category. And again, you don't have to cut them out and they could still be important, but you're going to minimize your your degree of interaction, especially, you know, in terms of your child and who they spend the most time with. So take action here. Take decisive action. Don't just kind of not make a decision and and, and let it happen because, again, you will be drained. Your child will be drained. And whatever energy you feel like you might want to put here, please 
don't waste it here. Well, Put it in type three and type four that we're moving on to next. And the other thing that just, as we, as you just mentioned, the child, like thinking about who your child kind of avoids or runs away from are usually toxic or underminers because your child is such a gauge of authenticity that usually the people that they're attracted to are the ones that are truly angels in training and uplifters. Yeah, and they'll run from the people who aren't. So your children don't need this tool. Parents generally do. So a final example here, we had a GI doctor who, because our son had major gastrointestinal issues, uh, who prescribed steroids as part of the, the treatment. And we knew that that kind of medication didn't work with him. It went in one end, out the other, and it wasn't absorbed. So we wound up doing homeopathy and a few other things, and our son got so much better. And when we went back to him, we wanted to share it. We were excited to share it. And generally speaking, he smiled, but he didn't really want to hear it, didn't want to learn, didn't ask any questions. And again, you know, was that was he a bad person? No. He had a specialty. He has a way of helping people. He's doing a service, but he's got a worldview of what helps. And what we were bringing back for him cut against it. So he did not want to hear it. So we would put him as an underminer. Is he a bad person? No. But was he someone who prioritized really sincerely wanting us and our son to get better? We didn't think he was. We thought he was, it was more important about him preserving the view of what works and what doesn't. Yeah, preserving his protocol versus, hey, here's another thing that actually worked for a child. Maybe I could apply this in my practice if I have another kid who's similar to that. Yep. You know, I, one way to know whether you have a good doctor is if they ever ask you or say to you, tell me more. Yeah, that was right? our ear doctor who yeah. took down so, our protocol, right? So, um, so anyway, so that's type one and type two, how you identify them and what you can do about it. Moving on to type three, angels in training. So when you visualize these people, Cass, what do you see? Oh, these are the ones that just... They want to be supportive, but they show up sometimes inconsistently. And this can also be, from the parents that we support, this can also be spouses. And so you both have the vision to help your child be the best version of themselves, but sometimes you might not have the communication skills, or you might be, um, you feel like you're, someone should be able to read your mind when they can't, you know, and this is where this might get frustrating for you because you hope that, oh my God, we've been together X number of years, of course, and you should see me cooking and you see me doing this and you see me doing that. Like, of course you should read my mind versus this is the group where you actually have to use your voice and be specific as to what you're thinking because it's so important for everyone to be on the same page. Yeah, these are angels in training and the in training part's intentional, right? These are net energy givers. They're acting I win, you win, but they're doing it inconsistently. This is your opportunity to teach them to ask for what you want, but they sincerely want you to win. They want to support you, but they need your guidance. They're not perfect. They're going to fall off from time to time, but they want to get better. They're coachable. And the more specific you can be, the better. Bottom line is, you know, you can uh, help them support you, but you can also ask you know, them how you can better support them. It's a two-way street. This is the group, the type three, where the most intentional effort, whatever energy you have, devote here. Right. And if those people ask you, how are you? Be honest, because if you're going to tell them everything is okay, that 
they're going to think like, okay, everything's okay versus, hey, you know what? I'm feeling overwhelmed and I could really use help with X, Y, and Z. And then these are the people who are actually going to do X, Y, and Z for you because they so want to show up, but they just don't know how. So using your voice to get them on board is going to be really, really helpful. And I know it's hard often to ask for support, but this is truly game-changing with the angels in training. But they absolutely want you to get what you want and they want to be useful. So this is about, and these are rough percentages, right? This is around 30%. So these are the people, you know, think of the color green. This is where you want to spend time and effort. And, you know, overall, the final category, type four, are the uplifters. This is the only 10%, the smallest number of people are in this category. And these are people who are energy boosters. They are acting, I win, you win, and they're doing it 24-7. They are super consistent. You know these people. When you see them, you will feel them. They are going to remain in this category. They're not shifting down to any other category. This is just how they operate. And your strategy here, compared to type three, where you're training and teaching them, here, for the uplifters, you're just maximizing your exposure and you're receiving from them. Again, there's not many of them. You know, Cherish them. Put you and your child in their way, in their proximity. And if you want to know who fits this category for Cass and I, and there are a few people definitely in our life who, who fit this category, just look at our podcast guests. These are the people we bring in because they uplift us and we know their message can lift up so many other people. Right. Dr. Bush is an amazing example of that and so many others that we've talked to, but that's where curating who lifts you up is so, so important. Yep. So you want to spend time if in this environment, right? Maybe you're not spending physical time with these people, but you can follow them on social media, absorb their their videos, their trainings, their teachings get on Zoom calls with them. But bottom line is consume and expose yourself as much as possible. And again, this is a very small percent between this group and even more importantly, those angels in training. That is the support network. These are the people who are in your inner circle that are going to help bring out the best in you, for you to be supported, your child to feel safe and supported. And bottom line is, you know, I'm lucky Cass is my uplifter. Uh, We wish that for any you know, couple uh, for spouses, we know that's not always true. You know, you want to help each other as much as possible with sincere feedback, asking for what you want. Ideally, you're moving on a road where you lift each other up. The one thing that we haven't talked about is that you as the individual, you might gauge some, someone might show up one way for one person and another way for another person. There's a family member who I know with one of my kids, it's more underminer and another one of my child, it's angels and training. So you will see differences in relationship. Len might have someone in his life that is more an angel training for him, but for me, it might be more of an underminer. I don't, Len can have the relationships that Len wants to have, but that doesn't mean that myself or the family will also spend time with that person. So you can kind of set boundaries as they need to on an individual basis, but that's where you just need to have those conversations so you can kind of get aligned. So what we say is as you go through this and as you put your pencil or pen to paper, you might want to do a sheet and your spouse might want to do or a partner might want to do a sheet. And that way you can kind of compare because there might be some differences and that's okay, but just kind of be mindful and respectful of each other's. 
there may very well be differences, particularly between type two and type three, very common. If you have differences where you have somebody with a type one versus a type four, that's a huge difference. And that hopefully will promote some conversations. And again, for you and your spouse or the people around you to get as on the same page as possible. So again, fill it out yourself. If you have a spouse who's engaged, have them fill it out. And I also almost fill out one for your child. Like just because if you guys might put your angels in training, but your child repels that person, just gauge them because usually our kids are 100% right with who are their energy drains. If you feel you can do that, yeah, I think that would be very interesting from the child's perspective. But again, a simple tool. Don't overcomplicate it. Think about it. Give some time. Go with your your gut feel, but try to really answer honestly as opposed to how you'd like people to appear in the grid. Because the bottom line is you definitely do need to size people up. There are people who don't want you to succeed. That's just reality. And with this knowledge, you don't have to take it and adopt a scarcity worldview because the bottom line is you don't have to get angry at anyone. You don't have to get, you know, feel like you have to put on your armor. Just take this concept and accept the concept and accept people as they are and just generally know that they're doing the best they can based on their beliefs and how you know what's going on with them and they may very well feel that what they're doing and how they're supporting you is positive and is is constructive but just cuz they feel that way doesn't mean that that's how it's affecting you you'll be the judge as to whether their support is lifting you up or not and they'll never come out and say I want you to fail but their intention, if it's to protect themselves and their worldview, is basically saying that. It they're, might be their only thing they know, too. Like, you know what I mean? Be, it could be how they're raised and they're thinking that they're doing tough love or whatever. And it's like they don't realize how counterproductive it is. Yeah. In some way, shape or form, what in some way, whether it's big or small, you're a threat to them and what they believe. And so if they have to choose, and they do, whether you know, their worldview is more important than your success, they're going to choose that. But just try to size up where people are right now, because that's the most important thing, and just take the appropriate actions. You know, you're never going to have everyone cheering you on, and that is okay. You know, the bottom line is that you're the one. You're the one who sets the tone. You're the one who sets the environment, and you get to make these calls, and it's so much more is within your control. So in summary, the key message here is, yes, it's not a bad thing that most people want you to fail. And in our estimate, around 60%, maybe more. It doesn't matter because you can succeed getting what you want for yourself or your child without anyone's help. You can do it. But if you want to get there faster and if you want it to feel better, support yourself with people who lift you up. That's the absolute key message. Surround yourself with people who want you to win. Even if they don't agree with what you're doing, they'll realize that, you succeeding in whatever you're doing isn't a threat to what they believe or, or how they're operating. And that's the key. You want to identify those people. Those are the angels in training or the uplifters and just surround yourself with them. And with the other people, type one, the toxic and type two, the underminers, they're not bad people, but they're just not going to lift you up. And they, they're going to distract you too from your focus. Yeah, they're in the way. In simple terms, they are in the way, and you need to minimize the impact that they have on you and your child. That's your opportunity, and you can only do that with an honest assessment. So that's why we are introducing P2, the people plotter, and we really hope that that tool 
can help you to put things into action today. Take all this in, re-listen to this podcast with the paper in front of you, and download the, the link that will include the PDF or just create your own piece of paper and just plot the people around you, you know, up to 20 people, the people that you spend the most time with that are with your child the most. Answer those two questions. How much do they genuinely support you and your child? And how consistent are they? And then follow the strategy, the tactics that we mentioned. Just keep in mind this one simple key concept. You have no obligation to surround you or your child with toxic people or anyone who's undermining you. You know, in taking actions that we describe, you can create that environment that sets you and your child up for success because type one and type two will only drag you down and your inner circle that you will create or that you have now that you will improve needs to draw from type three and type four. Type one and two are not invited to the inner circle and, um, and recognize there's fewer of those people. So be honest, be really endeavoring to size people up and apply the plotter to help you. And this can, people can change over time and things will change over time, but it's a simple tool and it really helps you surround yourself with people who want you to win. Right. And then your child just gets surrounded by positivity, which is game changing. This is how your child wins. Want to learn how to avoid the 33 mistakes most autism parents make? Get your free training today. Visit AutismParentingSecrets.com slash unstoppable.